0: listening to winning cures everything. Game day baby, wake up or get out. Here's your host, my
1: confident young man, a superb athlete, Gary
0: Seegers.
1: Welcome in Winning Cures Everything. It is the Sunday, November 27th edition of the show. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at @garywce. This is the week 13 recap that's right the final Regular Season Recap of the Year. How exciting. Right? I mean, this has been an absolute grind. Three straight months plus of going over college football games. I am, uh, I'll tell you, I'm uh, i am a little excited to only have 10 games to go over next week. We've only got championship stuff. We've got eight games next Saturday, two on Friday night, and they are all championship level. Sunday, we're going to figure out the college football playoff situation and then we got bowl season. We got a week of army navy where I don't have to worry about nothing for a little while uh, other than bowl prep. And then we go from there. I'm uh, I'm pumped about it. I'm sure that you all are as well. Hopefully everybody's having a good Sunday morning. Let me first tell you that the show is brought to you by BetUS. It is America's premier online sports book. They are America's favorite sports book since 1994. That's right. They've been doing this a very long time. Fast payouts, incredible customer service all of the wonderful things that you would want out of a sports book, and they give you a ton of options to bet on. That's kind of the biggest thing here. They uh, they will also give you, by the way, if you feel like just trying it out, you don't want to deposit yet, you know, all that wonderful stuff, go sign up at the link that's in the description. You can get a $50 free play with no deposit required just by signing up over at BetUS. So take advantage of the deal, I'm telling you favorite place to bet online. It is perfect. So, BetUS.com. And, of course, I host the BetUS College Football Show every Tuesday and Wednesday at, uh, let's see, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That's right. So, (laughs) 1 p.m. Eastern Time every Tuesday and Wednesday. So, make sure and subscribe to that. The link is in the description for that one as well. Uh, We are also brought to you by Flow Sports. That's right. They bring you 25,000 different sporting events absolutely fantastic deals that they've got going on with uh, all the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever stuff that's going on. So go ahead and check them out as well, flowsports.tv. That'll be your spot to check that out. There is a link in the description where if you go through that, it'll help me out. So go ahead and click on that Flow Sports right there. All right, we got some news to discuss before we actually get into games. Hopefully, again, everybody's having uh, a good Sunday morning. We got some things to talk about. Always, as always, feel free to jump into the chat. Uh, we'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. And I've got a list of games that we will be discussing. So, first off, overnight, after I'd already gone to bed, David Shaw steps down as the head coach at Stanford. Kind of a big deal. Um, not totally unexpected, though. And, and here's the situation. Uh, this is not him stepping down because of you know, the super poor resort, uh, results that they've had over the past three, four years, however long it's been. Uh, this is, that school is not giving him a fighting chance to be competitive. Just bottom line. And, and it doesn't matter who they hire, if they don't change the way that they go about, uh, not saying the academic side, but saying, making it a little bit easier for uh, players to be able to transfer in, and, um, to be able to recruit players. I mean, the biggest problem that they had was uh, that December, you know, early signing period, well, I mean, they're, the schedule doesn't line up for them. So they go on the quarter system, and it is uh, strange for college football. So it's just tough to be competitive out there with all of the disadvantages that they currently have, right? And so this was not super unexpected. I'm not sure who they're going to go get. I think... Uh, uh, Bloomgren, the, uh, the guy at Rice was, you know, he's been talked about quite a bit because he came from Shaw's staff, but the issue there is, uh, I mean, he hadn't exactly lit it up at Rice. You know, they, they had a pretty tight game with North Texas, but he didn't get the win. So now they're not going to a bowl. Maybe they'll bring him in because they know that he aligns with, you know, their academic values, but mm, I, I don't know who would really want the job. I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you that. So we'll see what happens there. Uh next up, Matt Rule was announced to Nebraska as the next head coach. And so and this is thank goodness that all of this stuff broke, you know, on Saturday when it did. Uh otherwise we wouldn't have been talking about it right now. I would have had to have done another show. And I just do not have the time right now. Uh but yes, Matt Rule, former Carolina Panthers coach former Baylor Bears coach, former Temple Owls coach, is going to be the new head coach at Nebraska. And this makes sense on so many different levels. Uh, he he looks like uh, a Midwest guy, right? And I understand that he coached in Philly, and he coached in Waco, uh, and then he went and coached in Carolina. But this it, it, it looks like he belongs at Nebraska. So I think that this one, if they want a culture builder, they want all these different things, I, I think that this is a good spot for him. Uh, so I would, I, I think that this is going to be okay. Uh, and we'll we'll go through and actually rate it. Uh, Double O'Neal jumped in. Let the chaos begin. Yeah, yeah, it's it, absolute mayhem. Absolute mayhem. But yeah, rule to Nebraska, I think, is a, is a good fit, a good hire. Trev Alberts did a pretty good job with this. Uh, cheers to him. Cheers to him for getting that done. Um, Hugh Freeze. To Auburn, it would appear, and I'm a little bit shocked by this one, right? And this is one of the more ridiculous hirings possible. But let me let me tell you that they have not made this official. Auburn has not. Um, Bobby Louder and Bunch. Of course, Jimmy Rain, etc. All, all the Auburn boosters have been known in the past to leak things to kind of gauge the public's interest on them, right? Uh, so I'm not certain if this was leaked from the freeze camp or if this was leaked from the Auburn boosters camp. Uh, but either way, it sounded very... When it comes from Pete Thamel, I tend to trust it, right? And not just him. Dennis Dodd over at CBS, et cetera. Right, there are a lot of big name booster, not big name booster, excuse me, big name uh, reporters that only really go with information that they trust. Those are two of the guys that that do. I trust those guys to be able to give us good information, even when it comes to Hugh Freeze and Auburn, right? But I don't know where this leak is coming from, but it is shocking to the core. That Hugh Freeze would be the next head coach at Auburn, uh, not just because of the way that things have ended this season at Liberty, with losses to UConn and New Mexico State. I mean, that was an absolute drubbing yesterday. But forget all of that. It's it's that you felt like they were they were up to something, and and that John Cohen was going to be leading an independence that so he was the guy. This is his coaching search, right? If Hugh Freeze is the head coach, you know. That that's not true, like there's no way that John Cohen is going to hire that guy. So it immediately just takes the legs out from under your new AD right off the bat. So I, I the hire doesn't make sense to me, like it at all. Uh, but I mean, cheers to him, I guess. Like I, I again, it doesn't make sense. I think he would win there. I think as far as like. Actually, making sense. It, yeah, the, Hugh Freeze and Auburn go together. I mean, that that is a perfect fit. Um, but man, I just it, I, until it's made official, like I'm, I'm wary. I'm wary of it. Um, Florida Atlantic, Florida Atlantic fired Willie Taggart, and yeah, this makes sense. Uh, FAU lost in double overtime. I want to say to Western Kentucky yesterday. And that's not the reason that he got fired. The reason that he got fired is because FAU should be better than they have been. Uh, they have been atrocious on the road. They cannot get the offense sorted out. There's just a lot of there's a lot of issues with that team that they have not been able to get sorted since. Um, I mean, just just a lot of lot of issues with Florida Atlantic. I will I will say that. Um, and Willie Taggart is the head of it, and he's had plenty of time to be able to get this thing sorted out but you can't you can't be losing at home to western Kentucky i know I know wKU is a good team, but that's that's an issue. You should be better than not just that but just five and seven or six and six. This should be a perennial eight win team sometimes ten wins sometimes sometimes six, but not routinely six. You've had plenty of time to build this thing um FAU Need something, some something heading into the AAT. I will say that. Arizona State. Arizona State is hiring Kenny Dillingham, uh, at least according to reports, and he is the Oregon offensive coordinator. He is young. I want to say he's like 32, 33 years old. This one's interesting. I understand that he's got ties to the state. I know that. He's got ties to the school. I know that. Uh, but Kenny Dillingham has only been an offensive play caller... For one season at Oregon. And if, I believe, because Washington won last night, uh, Utah is going to the Pac-12 championship game, not Oregon. Uh, yes, Oregon's offense was good this year. Do we think? I I, I want to know who made the hire at Arizona State. I've got questions. Um, sure, this could absolutely work out. Kenny Dillingham could absolutely get the talent in there to have an offense that just goes crazy, right? He's done magnificent things as a play caller at Oregon this year. Uh, yes, he learned under Mike Norvell. He was under Gus Malzahn for a year at Auburn. Uh, there's, there's a lot. He, he was with Norvell at Memphis. He, uh, he was with Norvell at Florida State. He was with Gus Malzahn at Auburn. Uh, and then he gets his first, you know, play calling, duties at Oregon and he's done good. He's done really good things, but man, he is really young. Do we, I'm sure that he's a great recruiter. I'm, I want to know about the ties to Arizona state. Like, does he still have all those? Does he know the right people to hire? And just a lot of questions, right? So I, I think it could work out really, really well for the offense. Curious about the defense. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, The last bit of news before we jump into the games, the Kiffin extension. It appears that Lane Kiffin is going to stay at Ole Miss for an eight-year deal worth $9 million per year. Every year after year four has to be covered by the private uh, Ole Miss football group. And I forget what they're called, like Rebel Inc. or whatever it is. But this is strange because in Mississippi, they have a a limit on the length of a contract that you can give to state employees. but well, they got around that by going through their private company. Interesting, right? That's the way it goes. Uh, so, Kevin, it appears, wanted to stay at Ole Miss because his family likes Ole Miss. <laughs> uh, and I was texting with Chris yesterday, and he said, well, uh, there's probably something to the idea that, Lane Kiffin's kids get to play around on the sideline at Ole Miss, and he probably wouldn't get to do that in any other SEC school. And, yeah, I I guess I could, I could see that. That does make sense to me. So, cheers to that. Lane Kiffin staying in Oxford uh, on an eight-year deal. $9 million goes a long way in Oxford, Mississippi. I will tell you that. I will tell you that. All right, let's get after it. We got games to discuss, and we're already 13 minutes into this thing. Game number one. Michigan 45, Ohio State 23, and what an absolute drubbing this was. Look, Ryan Day, let that man talk smack about him last year. And then let him come into his own house and beat him by three touchdowns. I There's questions here. There are certainly questions here. Let's go on and pull this thing up. Uh, Jim Harbaugh decided that he wanted to try out the NFL last year after beating Ohio State and couldn't get a job and lost both of his coordinators, lost several first-round NFL guys, uh, lost several other NFL dudes, guys that graduated, etc., and... Changed over his quarterback. Changed his running back. Changed all the... A lot of different stuff. This man walked in here without Blake Corum, who was a Heisman hopeful, and just absolutely beat Ohio State uh, with a bag of oranges. It, it was absolutely absurd what they did in this ball game. from, like, the second quarter on. It's almost like they were hiding J.J. McCarthy's ability to throw the ball down the field. Like... <laughs> That's the only explanation I got. Because this man went 12 out of 24, 263 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Donovan Edwards, by the way, of course, because of the late runs and whatnot, uh, 22 carries, 216 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, J.J. McCarthy ran it six times. Blake Corum only ran the ball twice for six yards. Look, Cornelius Johnson was the dude, uh, especially early. Four receptions, 160 yards, two touchdowns. He had a 75-yarder. He had another long one as well. Uh, Loveland had a 45-yard touchdown. Like, this was—Ohio State didn't know what to do. It's like they did not prepare for this at all. Like, I just—I I, I can't even— I, The fact that Michigan outgained Ohio State on offense, and and, yeah, the rushing was part of it, but, like, the passing was— I mean, Michigan passed for more yards than they ran for. That's insane. I don't I don't know of any world where that should happen uh and yet it did so uh, Ohio State one time of possession as as Parker would tell you uh, that does not matter uh, it is quality possessions that matters you know quality possession rate echo rate if you will so yeah cheers to Michigan for uh for just taking a club to Ohio State's hopes for the playoff the national championship Um this is the first time that they have beaten Ohio State in Columbus since what, 2000? Is that right? I mean it it was something ridiculous yesterday that I was uh that I was reading on. Um let's see. I mean it's the second straight year and oh yeah, yeah. Uh they they now have a two-game winning streak in the game for the first time in 22 years. Uh that's pretty big. I mean there's uh, there we go. First time since 2000 that they have beaten them there. This was this was insane. Absolutely insane. And now Michigan gets to go play Purdue in the Big Ten Conference Championship game. Uh, Scotty, fifty-seven seventy-five jumps in. Uh, college football is a must-watch uh, schizophrenic person. Yeah, yeah, it is. And Double O'Neal said kudos to Michigan. Yeah, this is... This was impressive. This was an incredible coaching job by Harbaugh and that bunch. I I, I don't even know what to say. I really thought that Ohio State was going to get their revenge in this game, and now, uh, I mean, there's there's all kind of questions going on in Columbus at this point, because you you really thought that CJ Stroud was going to get the Heisman this year, that it just uh, all the all the things that you would expect, right? Because we there was a lot of hype on him all offseason. and. It looks like he's going to leave Columbus without a win against Michigan as a starting quarterback and I think that's the first time that's been done since the 90s. I mean it is it is really crazy to think about. But again, cheers to Michigan for getting this thing done because man what an absolutely epic ball game that was to watch. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh especially for Michigan fans, I'm sure. But just as an as a uh unbiased observer, I enjoyed myself watching that ballgame. Next on the docket, South Carolina 31. Let's turn a little music on. Uh, Scotty said, is Michigan now number two in the playoff ratings? Uh, Yes. Yes. Georgia ain't going nowhere. Like, Georgia's still going to be there. So, uh, they will still be number one. No worries there. Michigan will be number two. Uh, TCU probably number three. USC probably number four. I guess. We'll see. We'll see. All right. South Carolina 31, Clemson 30. And how awesome. How awesome. Uh, South Carolina just continued to get up off the mat. I loved it. Spencer Rattler. This is what I thought we were going to get all season. And it's not that Rattler had, like, an extraordinary, like, numbers day, right? Uh, 25 out of 39, for 360 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Um, the the running game did effectively nothing. 31 rushes for 54 yards. It, this was also, by the way, a special teams day. Like, South Carolina forced a couple of fumbles on uh, on kicks, and, and that was kind of the change in the game. I mean, it was... It, the way that this thing went back and forth early, Clemson jumped out to that 14 to nothing lead. It kind of looked like it was going to get sideways. Uh... Went into the half, twenty-three to fourteen, came out in the second half, and yeah, I mean it just it it kind of blows your mind. Uh, Jaheem Bell had a an early touchdown in the third quarter, and then Will Shipley, with four thirty-five left, uh, made it thirty to twenty-one, and then right back down the field, a seventy-two yard pass from Spencer Adler to Antoine Wells Jr., who's the transfer from James Madison that I thought was going to be awesome all year. Uh, I think they call him Juice Juice Wells. But uh, regardless, this was, you know, you start out the game with a pick six. And I i got to tell you, I was a little bit shocked that South Carolina was able to do what they were able to do. And they went down 14 to nothing, and it did not faze them. So, and Double O'Neal jumped in. He said, uh, didn't see South Carolina stomping Clemson. Well, I don't know that they stomped them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they won by one point. I I don't know that that's a stomping, but this was certainly, uh, this was interesting, right? They they did finally stop them in the fourth quarter. It, Clemson did not score a point in the fourth, but this, if you look at the the plays, you know, Clemson, uh, fumbled a kick. They threw an interception. Like it. Just late in that game, they just did not have the poise. And South Carolina did. Like once South Carolina went up on them, Clemson went three and out. They went two plays, interception, five plays, punt, and then they fumbled a kick. I mean, there you go. Like this, this Clemson team we knew was not great anyway. Uh, but to have South Carolina, which by the way, you would not believe the amount of people that were making fun of me about picking South Carolina to go eight and four after that loss to Missouri. Like in the preseason, I picked South Carolina to go eight and four, and then they lost at home to Missouri. And people, ah, oh, this is it, this is ridiculous. What a crazy pick! Like, well, look now, you know, <laughs> college football is nuts, man. Like, absolutely nuts. Cheers to Spencer Rattler. That was an awesome, awesome performance. Uh, again, it was not like Herculean. It wasn't the best performance you'll ever see from a quarterback. But it was really good it was certainly better than what DJ youngly did he was eight out of nine uh, excuse me eight out of 29 for 99 yards one touchdown one interception will Shipley did his best to keep the minute, 15 carries 132 uh Scotty jumps in I thought you were crazy yeah but here we are South Carolina eight wins who to thunk it who to thunk it um Clemson just they're they're gonna have to they're gonna do something with their staff it would not shock me to see Jeff Scott back on staff Absolutely would not shock me at all. Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. All right. We're going to move off of that one. Let's, uh, hey, let's jump into this question right quick. Uh, there may not be a question. Casein Cheney. 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 I hope I'm saying that right. Sorry, buddy. Uh, my top three Heisman, B. John Robinson, Caleb Williams, Max Duggan. The Heisman is supposed to go to the best player, and those three are the best players on their teams. Um, I would venture to say that Bryce Young should be included in that. um, if you're going to include Bijan, you got to include Bryce, I think. Uh, Caleb Williams. Like Caleb Williams is going to win the thing. Like, he's... If you watched that Notre Dame game last night, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, uh, that was absolutely absurd. I mean, just what what he did against Notre Dame was uncanny. Just ridiculous. Uh, Scotty said, DJ has to go. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, Um I just think you probably need somebody else to start, and maybe DJ could sit behind. But it's it's really like, does DJ want to stay there and try and develop, or does he think he's not going to develop because he hasn't in two years? Like, he he played a lot better uh, throughout this season. His overall numbers are better, but eh, like this is it, it's it's not gone well. I will say that it has not gone well. For DJ there, I would imagine he's going to transfer back over to California somewhere. uh, Maybe UCLA. We'll see. We'll see what he ends up doing. But, moving along, let's write this down. Texas A&M 38, LSU 25. This is... I I don't even... I don't know what to say about this ballgame. I mean, I watched this, and I... It still doesn't make sense to me. Right? Uh A-Chain, Devon A-Chain ran 38 times for 215 yards. The uh the Daniels kid that came in behind him ran 4 times for 39 yards. I I mean Connor Wigman only had to throw the ball 18 times against LSU's defense? Like I this is this is mayhem. Like, LSU had a, a chance to be the first two-loss playoff team. All they had to do was go in and beat Georgia next week, and they were set up. And now I don't think you can get there with at a 9-3 record. Um, Scotty said, I bet LSU uh, thought Texas A&M was a total shipwreck. Well, yeah. And, and they were. I mean, Texas A&M was a train wreck, a car wreck, all of that tied into one thing. Like, they have been all season. But you still have to come out prepared to play the game. And they just didn't do that at all. Uh, Jaden Daniels, 21 out of 35 for 189 yards. Uh, he 12 carries, 84 yards. John Emery had nine carries for 55 yards and three touchdowns. If the guy's averaging a touchdown every third time that he touches the ball, you should probably give it to him more than nine times. Uh, Noah Kane had 11 carries, 48 yards. Like, I just—and this is not me— nitpicking on who they decided to run with, right? Uh, They still ran for 187 yards. The shocking part to me is that they did not slow down Texas A&M. A&M outgamed them 429-384, to and the way that this thing went late, I mean, it really should have been worse, right? Like, I I don't know how, if you're Brian Kelly, you don't come out uh, ready to go in this one. That's the... That's the issue that I got. I mean, this was 17-17. to And you had that one fumbled touchdown. And I just... I, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening here. But cheers to Texas A&M. I mean, they got back to 5-7. and seven. This is something to hang their hat on. This was the Super Bowl for them because they do not have uh, a bowl game to play for. I, I mean, I guess maybe they can make it if... Uh, and I don't know what all happened with the 5-7 and seven or 5-6 teams last night. I don't know who all was able to get into uh, a bowl, but I think that they're done, which they haven't played a bowl game in two years <laughs> because of all the all the COVID mess and whatnot. But either way, um, let's uh here I'll, I'll jump off of this game uh, here in a second. But regardless, Connor Wigman looked good. Uh, a chain looked great coming back. Uh, as far as team stats, I mean the fact that a only had to pass the ball for 155 yards. They ran it for 274 on this LSU defense. Like, Matt House is just nuts. Absolutely nuts. So, uh, this was a great win for AM. and m um, Rough. Rough. Uh, let's see. Kaysen jumps in. Currently 79 bowl eligibility. Okay, so maybe there's a shot. It depends on the APR stuff for AM. and um, But I, I don't think they're going bowling. I will, I will certainly say that. So, uh, let's see. What was the most important play in the game? Uh probably the uh the fumble touchdown. That's that's my guess. So the fumble touchdown, that was the that was the big one. Um Jaden Daniels ran for a loss of eight. He fumbled, uh recovered by Damani Richardson. It was returned twenty seven yards for a touchdown that made it twenty four to seventeen. And then uh LSU had to punt after that, and AM went right back down the field for an eighty three yard drive and went up thirty one to seventeen. This, I, I did not expect this. I did not expect this at all. So, that is the way that it goes, I suppose. Uh, let's jump back into these questions right quick. Let's see. Uh, Kaysen said, I agree with Bryce being in the Heisman race. I'm still torn with Stroud. Uh, I think Stroud showed you what he is yesterday. Just throwing it out. Uh, you, don't, you can't get beat by three touchdowns. I mean, that's just absurd. And throw two picks. I mean, it's... Uh, Michigan has two top 10 wins, one of which was away, and both were arguably blowouts. Georgia has one top 10 win at home. Georgia will be ranked number one. Why? Uh, And that's Colin. Colin Bell. Well, uh, here's the deal. Because the committee is biased, and they have seen Georgia do this over and over and over again. Um, And the fact that Michigan has a weaker strength of schedule overall. So forget the top 10 win stuff. Um, Think about this as... Who has faced tougher competition every single week throughout the season? And Georgia has a tougher strength of schedule than Michigan. Like, Michigan played Hawaii and Colorado State, and uh, I don't even remember who. Oh, UConn. UConn, which was, it turns out, actually helped their strength of schedule a little bit. But uh, it certainly would have helped Michigan's case if they had played UCLA this year. I will say that. it's not going to matter. They're both going to get in. Like, who cares at number one or number two? Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, I guess it might matter. Uh, We saw it matter last year for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you were number two, you did not want to play Georgia last year. I'll tell you that. I will tell you that. All right. uh, Moving along, let's talk about the nightcap game. Do-do-do-do-do. All right. USC 38, Notre Dame 27. And we're going to pull it up on the screen because I just... I got to show you the difference between these two guys. But this was an absurd quarterback game, right? Like, I, I— If you had told me before the ball game that Drew Pine was going to be 23 out of 26 with three touchdowns and one interception and that Notre Dame would lose the game by two scores, I'd have thought you were nuts. If you had just told me that, that Drew Pine at one point in this game was like 18 of 21 with two TDs, uh, and even even with the one interception, I would have said, well, if they're able to throw like that, there's no question that they were able to run the ball on USC because everybody's been able to run the ball on USC. And do I think that USC, uh, without um, uh, Travis Dye, is going to be able to run the ball on Notre Dame? I mean, Austin Jones has been good, but, like, eh, this is Notre Dame. Like, you give me all of that stuff before the game. Just give me these specific numbers. And I would have thought that Notre Dame would win this game outright. And instead, what we got here is Notre Dame ran the ball 26 times for 90 yards. And one touchdown. Of course, obviously. That was Diggs. Um, But USC, Austin Jones, 25 carries, 154 yards, and the longest was 24 yards. So it's not like he broke off like some 70-yarder and it padded all the rest of the stats. I mean, it's it's crazy. Uh, Scotty jumped in. Uh, to me, USC looked like the real deal uh, with that quarterback playing out of his mind. Yeah. Caleb Williams, 18 out of 22, 232 yards, one touchdown. He ran the ball nine times for 35 yards. It was, it was really a lot more yardage because he was all over the place. Uh, but he ran for three touchdowns. I mean, this was... This was awesome. Like, USC looks like a fantastic football team. Uh... The fact that they were able to hold Notre Dame to 90 yards rushing on 26 attempts is crazy. Um, <laughs> and if, as uh, Scotty said, he can even punt. Yeah, uh, go go do a search for Caleb Williams' fingernails and, and look at what he had on his fingernails last night. And he does it every game. I get that, but it's still very funny. Very funny. Um, this was, I, I will tell you, Notre Dame looked good, even in defeat. But the way that this game went, especially early, just right out of the gate, USC getting a touchdown, eight plays, 75 yards, right down the teeth of the defense, that certainly did not look great, right? Uh, USC then comes out and kicks a field goal after Notre Dame goes three and out, and it's 10 to nothing right off the bat. Uh, Notre Dame... Turns the ball over on downs, uh, and that one got down to yeah the USC twenty seven. They thought on fourth and one they'd be able to get it. It did not. uh did not happen for them. Uh, no, they did end up scoring there, but I mean it was seventeen to seven at the end of the first half. Immediate fumble in the uh, yeah in the third quarter, and it makes it twenty four to seven. And there's just no way to recover from that. So, Notre Dame had to, th- uh, had to start throwing the football. I mean, you see what ended up happening here. It became a score fest in the second half. 24-7, 24-14, 31-14, 31-21. Uh, interception leads to more USC points. I mean, this is... It, let, let's talk about the turnover situation. Um, you got two Notre Dame turnovers that both led to points. Like, that's... It's kind of a big deal, right? Like, it continues to happen for USC time and time again. At one point, do do we actually think that it is sustainable for USC? Is there a point? Like, I, I'm, I'm not certain anymore. Uh, Scotty said, who is playing in the Pac-12 championship? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, since Washington won last night, that means that USC gets to play against Utah again. So, the one team that beat them, uh, they get to play in Las Vegas. So, tossing it out there. Tossing it out. All right, let's uh, let's take a brief ad real quick. Let's take a slight break. Um, we will be back on the other side with Florida State, Florida, Tulane, Cincinnati, NC State, North Carolina, Oregon State, Oregon, et cetera, et cetera. We got a lot to get through uh, in a very short amount of time, so let's hit it on the other side. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back. <laughs> Bet US TV has you covered. every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1pm. eastern we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff only on the bet US TV College football channel.
0: Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use,
1: and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit BetUSTV.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports Show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. Well, <laughs> as we were going through that, uh, it appears that Wisconsin is going to name Cincinnati's Luke Fickle as their next head coach. I would have sworn it was going to be Jim Leonard. A fantastic hire by Wisconsin. Like uh, Pete Thamel just released that information. Um that's a a gigantic deal. Uh just i I haven't even gotten time to process this um but yeah this is uh that's huge that is that's massive so i I'm shocked that uh that Luke fickle decided to leave Cincy for Wisconsin as they're about to head into the big 12 like did did not expect that at all uh, I, I I really felt like he was um I don't know <laughs> uh let's see let's see so yeah Luke Fickle to Wisconsin it appears that that deal is about to be done and we're gonna see some more crazy stuff happen like I hope that you guys are ready who who do you think got the better job you guys can tell me in the chat uh do you think that uh Wisconsin had a better hire with Luke Fickle or Nebraska did with Matt Rule what do you think is the better hire I'm I'm very curious here um as Scottie jumped in and said, Washington is playing so well, uh, he was kind of shocked that Utah is going to the Pac-12 title game. Um, that's the way it goes, though. If you're if you're Washington, you can't go on the road and lose to Arizona State. And they did earlier. Let's see. Let's start our music back up. Let's fire into these ballgames because we got to roll through them quick. Florida State, 45, Florida, 38. Now, this one, I'm just going to pull it up on our screen here. The, the numbers from Anthony Richardson. This man was 5 out of 7 for like 152 yards or whatever and three touchdowns at one point in this game, and he ended 9 of 27. Uh, Scotty thinks Nebraska got the better hire. Uh, Anthony Richardson is an enigma. Like, he was throwing the ball so well early, and then nothing. He was 5 out of 7 to start. He was 5 out of 17 at one point, ended 9 of 27. Uh, that's not great. They're not super efficient. And that's the reason why I thought that that Florida State was just going to blow them out. But uh, but you look at this, and it's not like Jordan Travis was super efficient either. 13 out of 30, 270 yards, one touchdown. Uh, this was big play after big play after big play. It was a fantastic Black Friday game. They should keep this game on Black Friday and do it Friday night every single year. Uh, because I think that it would be absolute mayhem between Mike Norvell and Billy Napier. Um, it doesn't matter who the players are, anything else. I want to see those two coaching like this every year. Ricky Pearsall, five receptions, 148 yards. Travis at the end had 17 carries for 129 yards. Uh, let's see, uh, Trey Benson, 20 carries, 111. Uh, two receptions, 51 yards. I mean, just insane. Scotty said Anthony Richardson and Spencer Adler from the same quarterback school. Yeah, it's where, in one instance, they look like they could be the greatest quarterback that's ever walked on the planet, and then you turn around to the next drive, and it looks like they've never played football. It's like they've never tried to throw the thing. It is the most mind-blowing stuff with with these two quarterbacks. But Anthony Richardson, again, like, explosive plays. Like, he was able to make exciting, big-time things happen, and... It just wasn't enough at the end, but, man, like, what an absolute dynamite football game. Uh, Jordan Travis was awesome. Uh, 15 carries, by the way, for him for 83 yards and two touchdowns. This uh, was—I can't even begin to, like, yeah, uh, Scotty said schizophrenic. That's what this game was. That's how it felt. I mean, it's just big play after big play after big play, and I thought— that Florida State had a chance when they went up 38-24 to to, like, really put their foot down on this thing the way that they've been doing to all of the other opponents that they've played. And I'll tell you, I thought it was weird that they were favored by 9 and then 9.5, and and it never went past 9.5, even though every other podcast that I listened to after our show on BetUS, every one of them gave out Florida State as a pick. And the line didn't move. And I said, Okay. Okay, something's weird, because there was a lot of movement. There was a lot of uh, money that was coming in on Florida State, and they never moved it to ten. Shocking, shocking. <laughs> I feel Florida State should have won by more. I, I feel like, but instead, uh, this was a tight, tight, tight ball game. Uh, Florida State, by the way. Uh, scored 17 points in the third quarter and then only seven in the fourth. So, allowed Florida to hang around a little longer than they planned, but what a hell of a year for Mike Norvell. Nine and three for Florida State. Um, that's big. That's just, that's massive. That is absolutely massive. Uh, let me tell you right quick about Mary Surf Company. There's a link in the description below. You can go and check them out. ValtimarySurfCo.com Use the promo code Gary10. You get 10% off your order. These guys have college town apparel. So, like, Tuscaloosa Surf Company, um, Tallahassee Surf Company, etc., right? For Florida State. Like, if you're a Florida State fan, obviously. Florida. Gainesville Surf Company. Like, they've got, in fact, like, fantastic shirts uh, that are super comfortable. The the material feels great. I've got two of them. I'm a big fan. You should go and check them out. At least give them a website visit. And it's ValtimarySurfCo.com. Use the promo code Gary10 to get 10% off of your order. Scotty jumped in. I bet Florida State and LSU... Uh, so, this is why I work for a living. Yeah, I, I can understand it. I can understand it. Think about that. It, those are two of the more schizophrenic teams of the entire season Florida State and LSU. You remember what happened on Liberty Weekend. All right, moving along. We got to move to the AAC. Tulane 27, Cincinnati 24. And William Marotta jumps in. Uh, he says Tulane versus UCF, in AAC championship winner uh, plays LSU in the Cotton Bowl. Certainly seems like it. Certainly looks like it right now. Uh, that's what I would imagine is going to happen anyway. But let's see. Let's toss over to this Tulane game. Let's talk about what happened in Cincinnati. Of course, before Luke Fickle uh, decided to leave. There you go. No, there's more people watching now, but... Uh, Luke Fickle uh, has uh, has decided to take the Wisconsin job, it would appear, uh, as reported on by Pete Thample over at ESPN. So, cheers to Thample for getting that uh, d- 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 uh Evan Prater had to start for Cincinnati. That is uh, certainly not something that you wanted to see. Uh, although there were a lot of Cincinnati fans that were clamoring for him uh, pretty much all year. He was a highly rated recruit coming in, but there had to have been a reason why Ben Bryant had been starting all season, right? And you saw it in this game. Prater was 10 out of 26 passing for 102 yards. He did run the ball 18 times for 83 yards. A lot of that was scrambles, stuff to just get out of the pocket, etc. Uh, but he's he's got obvious athleticism. He's got a little bit of zip on the ball, but it did not turn into, like, a great afternoon passing, for sure. 10 out of 26, 102 yards, and one pick is not great. Uh, Michael Pratt, you know, 13 out of 22... 162 yards, one touchdown. You know, ran the ball nine times for 30 yards. The the biggest thing, and I said this on the Bet US show was, I expected Tajay Spears to have a massive game, like a really big game, and he ran the ball 35 times for 181 yards, two touchdowns. Cincinnati could not stop him, couldn't do anything with him. This was, at, really, this ball game was about the the two lane defense, like that's that's what this was. Um, You look at the play-by-play, and you see what ended up happening towards the end here. Um, Cincinnati scored a touchdown to go up 24-20. to And immediately, Tulane goes right back down the field. But Cincinnati has two more opportunities to move the football. And instead, they go three and out. Three plays, negative four yards. And then the next one, four plays, negative five yards. And then Tulane just kneels it out. And this was great for Willie Fritz and Bunch. And I would imagine that Fritz is probably going to have a new job soon, uh, whether it's Georgia Tech or at somewhere, right? I, I think that this is the time for him to be headed on uh, to bigger and, and greener pastures, which I don't know that you can get more green than the green wave. But regardless, I I love Tulane. I think Willie Fritz would do fantastic at a bigger job. Uh, if he stays at Tulane, I think that he can continue having seasons like this. Now I don't know that he's gonna have ten and two seasons that frequently, but let's just for a second think about the fact that this team went two and ten last year because they were basically living out of a suitcase for most of the year because they were displaced by a hurricane. And and instead, you know, they go two and ten last year. This year they go ten and two with effectively the same bunch. They got the same guys. It's just they got rid of the offensive coordinator. He went over to Georgia Tech. Cheers, Chip Long. (laughs) Uh, This this was a remarkable turnaround from Tulane. Cincinnati, another great year, 9-3. But I'm curious what Cincinnati is going to be without Luke Fickle. That is what I'm the most curious about. Let's uh, let's rapid-fire some of these. William jumps in. I think Fritz stays. You might be right about that. Uh, We'll see. Scotty said Tulane will beat UCF. UCF defense looked terrible. I wouldn't necessarily bet on that. We've already seen this game once before. The issue here would be uh, Tulane is not great against mobile quarterbacks, as you saw from Prater. Um, and if Plumlee is even half of what he has been, that they will give Tulane some problems. Uh, the issue will be whether or not UCF turns the ball over. I'm thinking that they probably will. So we'll see. We'll see. I like this Tulane defense. I like them. I I would think that they will probably win that game at home, and then they will go to uh, the Cotton Bowl and probably going to be against uh, LSU. Uh, But if LSU loses the fourth game, I don't know what you do then. We'll figure it out. Uh, William jumps in. Plumlee is strong. He is strong. He is definitely strong. Uh, But we'll see what happens against Tulane. We'll see. He already had a good day against Tulane not that long ago. Um, Regardless, regardless. Let's move on. Let's move along. We got games to hit. We got to go rapid fire. NC State 30, North Carolina 27 in double overtime. Mac Brown loses his last two games of the season when, honestly, um, like, they had a shot at the playoff. Like, a legit shot at the playoff if they had won their last three games. Uh, And it's not like they're all difficult competition, right? Like, this is... This is nuts. They had Georgia Tech, they had NC State, and both of those at home, and then they were going to play Clemson in Charlotte. And they could have gone to the playoff. And instead, this defense is just complete garbage again. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I feel like the offense should have done something here, right? Drake May was 29 out of 49, 233 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He uh, ran the ball 14 times for only 32 yards. This defense for NC State actually stood up uh, for most of the game until the fourth quarter and North Carolina was able to come back and actually put some, some drives together, et cetera. Um, but the, what I'm the most curious about is Finley, the, uh, the fourth string quarterback for NC state comes out and absolutely lights up this North Carolina defense. A- at what point, like North Carolina is going to have to fire Gene Chiswick. It's going to have to happen. Um, and Scotty said, "Mac Brown not going for two said a lot. Yeah, you are 100% right about that. Uh, like, you, take the ball game. You had the momentum. What are you doing? Like, I just, I, I get where he's coming from because he thought, okay, well, once we get into this situation, uh, well, their fourth string quarterback is not going to be able to live up to what our offense can do. So, like, I trust our offense to be able to get it done in overtime. Well, why wouldn't you just trust your offense to get it done right then? Like, don't wait on the other team to make a mistake. Go out and take the ball game. Brian Kelly did it against Alabama. Like, that was the most perfect, inopportune time uh, to do it. So, let's see. uh, William Morata says, uh, Coach Brown, former Tulane coach, has built a culture at UNC. Losing to an in-state rival happens. Uh, Agreed. But what I'm saying is he didn't just lose to an in-state rival. Um, (laughs) He said, hint, hint, LSU. Yeah, yeah, it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that would be something if we end up with a two lane and LSU in the uh, in the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> My God, nobody in Baton Rouge wants to deal with that. I can guarantee you that. Uh, so, so Finley, the fourth string quarterback for NC State, goes twenty seven out of forty for two hundred seventy one yards and two touchdowns, um, and he basically outplays Drake May. Like, I, that's, that's the thing that absolutely blew my mind here, uh, that he outplayed Drake May. Like, once we got down into uh, the fourth quarter, like, you had an interception that led to a short field for uh, NC State to throw—not uh, to throw a— um, excuse me, gather my thoughts here. You threw an interception in the fourth quarter that led to a short field for NC State to go down and score. It was three plays, 29 yards— Uh, and then you were able to go 15 plays in 75 yards just right down the field and score a touchdown and not go for two. And that's the issue that we've got right now is why would you not go for two? Why are you playing to let the other team make a mistake when you're the team that's been making the mistakes all day? That's the problem. And then leaving it in the hands of a college kicker that had already missed one earlier in the day, I don't even know why I'm getting fired up about this. I'm not a North Carolina fan. But it just—it irritates me to see stuff like this happen because you know that they should be better than this. And they were able to win other games this year uh, by by outscoring and doing all those kind of things, by, by being aggressive. And it's like they decided not to be aggressive anymore. Just really, really nuts to think about. So cheers to NC State. Dave Doran, fired up. Everything is right in the world when NC State is 8-4. and four. Even though college football may be all crazy and and all that, at the end of the day, NC State is right back at eight and four. That's the way it goes. Eighty two Atlantic jumps in. Oregon blowing a twenty one point lead in the fourth is one of the worst choke jobs I've ever seen. Hey, amazingly, you are right on cue, my friend. Let's uh, let's jump in with Oregon State thirty eight, Oregon thirty four. What a fantastic time for you to hop in with that one. <laughs> I mean, just awesome. Uh, This was, I got to tell you, I hadn't seen many of these, right? Like, I I hadn't seen... um, (laughs) Bo Nix played well in this game, okay? He he was not awful. Um, The running game was pretty good. Oregon State did a pretty good job of uh, slowing them down. Let's go on and pull up the stats. Uh, Oregon State ran the ball. 43 times for 268 yards and five touchdowns, and it didn't matter who was running the ball. Like, this was nuts. Uh, Martinez had 15 carries. Griffin had eight. Fenwick had eight. Newell had two. Bolden had one. Golbrinson had four. Coletto had one. Like, everybody was gaining yards. They're just tossing it out. It's like dollar bills at the club, man. Everybody's getting money. Like, this is the Oregon State only threw the football 13 times. Oregon could not stop him. Uh, Dan Lanning had to be absolutely vomiting all over the place. <laughs> and he, I'm sure he will be when he goes back and watches this tape because that is absurd. Absolutely absurd. Why on earth is Oregon throwing the ball 41 times? Like, especially early. Like, if you have that big of a lead, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> It made zero sense to me. Uh, looking at the play by play here, uh, this was. This thing got up to uh, 31 to 10. 31 to 10. And that was with, let's see, 4.46 left in the third quarter. Like, what is happening? What is happening to Oregon? You had to have this game. And you give up 28 consecutive points. Like, I just. Ugh. Um, Link Price said, Oregon State prevented us from potentially seeing Georgia smoke Oregon again. It, I don't think that was gonna happen because of the uh the Washington loss, but regardless, like yes. Uh this <laughs> I just I, I can't uh for the life of me understand. Like you went up 31 to 10, and then Oregon State outscored you 28-3 in the final 18 minutes of the ballgame. And it was like you know, fumbles and turnover on downs and I can't I I don't know why. I don't know I don't understand what Oregon was doing. Uh they went up 34 to 17 on a field goal and immediately Oregon State comes back down the field after a, a kickoff return, three plays, thirty-six yards, touchdown, right? And then Oregon runs a minute off the clock and it's 34 to 24 and they give the ball back two plays, two yards, touchdown. 34 to 31. And then Oregon like they're at their own 29-yard line. And you've got a lead. Why would you go for it? Like I I understand again being aggressive it's a whole different deal, right? We talked about this with Mac Brown just in the last game. Why? What is the point? Like, kick the ball back to him. I understand that you don't think you're going to be able to get a stop, but at least make them like do. The, I, I I get where he was coming from. I understand it, but man, you got to do something. You can't be doing this. This is absurd. Absolutely absurd. Uh, 82 Atlantic jumps in. Since it won't be Texas, is Oregon the leading favorite for Quinn Ewers? <laughs> uh, no, I don't know who is going to get uh, Quinn Ewers. Um, I don't think it will be Oregon, right? So, I, I don't I don't think Quinn is, is leaving. I think Quinn is going to be just fine. So, he'll, he'll stay. He will be the starter for one year. And then, we'll move on from there. So, it'll be good. So, yes, Oregon... Falls to nine and three. Oregon State rises to nine and three. What a an incredible coaching job by Jonathan Smith! Just awesome. Like he, Jonathan Smith is great, absolutely great. And if he doesn't leave for another job, it'll be an absolute miracle for Oregon State. Absolute miracle. Uh, Scotty said, "Please don't talk about Kentucky or Louisville." Uh, it was pitiful. Actually, I don't have that on my list, but I was gonna at least hit on it, and so let's uh. Here, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Mississippi State 24, Ole Miss 22. Let's talk about that one. Uh, and I've got I've got to write my times down. But It appears to me that I'm running out of time today. So, I'm not to have the time that I want. Mississippi State 24, Ole Miss 22 in the Egg Bowl. And this one, of course, was overshadowed quite a bit by all of the mess that was going on with Lane Kiffin Whether or not he was going to take the Auburn job, etc. There was all these distractions for the Ole Miss football team. At the end of the day, uh, the issue is that Ole Miss was not able to run on Mississippi State. Uh, These two teams, like, Mississippi State outran or outrushed Ole Miss. That's how ridiculous this was. Like, and Ole Miss uh, threw the ball better than State did. So, Jackson Dart, 30 out of 38, 250 yards, two touchdowns. Will Rogers, 27 out of 39, 239 and two touchdowns and one interception. But you look at the rushing numbers, and State ran it 37 times for 97 yards. Ole Miss ran it 39 times for 78 yards. But Ole Miss had no touchdowns on the runs. This was an incredible back-and-forth game that was a lot of fun to watch because it felt like Ole Miss... Like, when they went up 16-7, to it felt like they have got this one, right? This is—that's how the ball game is. Right? It, they're just going to run over. They're able to throw the ball as well. They've got—they're being successful everywhere. And then it just stopped. Neither team did anything in the third quarter. You get to the fourth quarter, and uh, and it was just a different ball game. Like, State is the better team. So, Touchdown for State, made it 24-16. to Ole Miss fumbles. Uh, Mississippi State fumbles immediately. Ole Miss drives 15 plays, 99 yards. Like, the fact that that Mississippi State was about to score and fumble the ball, and Ole Miss was lucky enough to get it, uh, and then take that thing all the way back down, they missed the two-point conversion. Oh, it was crazy. But this is what the Egg Bowl should be. And it should be every Thanksgiving, because it is fantastic. And I don't mean that in any offense to the state or Ole Miss fans, uh, I just feel like this game should always be on Thanksgiving because it's always exciting. You can tell that there's real passion here. So, uh, let's, uh, let's chat on one more game right quick. Uh, da, 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 da. You know what? Let's do Alabama 49, Auburn 27. Um, so, Robbie Ashford. 11 out of 23, passing 77 yards, but his deal was uh, 17 carries for 121 yards. Alabama could not slow him down on defense, and that was incredibly irritating for an Alabama fan. Jarquez Hunter, 11 carries for 134 yards. Like, yeah. Uh, 82 Atlantic jumps in. Was it wise for Auburn to hire a coach that lost to both UConn and New Mexico State? Uh, I don't think that that hire is official just yet. I don't believe... I'm, I'm watching my Twitter feed uh, to see when stuff is going to break, but I have not seen it break yet. Actually. Uh, no, never mind. All right, this is all still fickle stuff. So, fickle to Wisconsin. Um, yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Nothing. Okay. So... Regardless, uh, we don't know that freeze is official as of yet. Auburn and Alabama. uh, Bama could not stop them from running the football at all. Uh, 43 carries, 318 yards rushing, two touchdowns. And yet, it was not enough because Bryce Young is Superman. 20 out of 30, 343 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, He ran the ball five times for 48 yards and a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs ran 17 for 76. Jason McClellan... Uh, even though he got injured in the first quarter, had 11 carries, 44 yards. Like, it was a pretty good day at the office for the running game for Alabama. 34 carries, 173. It was not what Auburn's numbers were, but Auburn is effectively... Um, Auburn effectively turned into an option team. Basically. Uh, Link said Alabama destroyed Auburn. Uh, that game was a two-touchdown game in the fourth quarter. Like, it was, it was tight. So, uh, if Auburn had not turned the football over in the first half would have been much tighter. So, uh, William said Cadillac should get a shot. I, I don't know about that. The Cadillac doesn't even have experience as a coordinator. Like you're going to lead, are you going to get him to lead, uh, basically a hundreds of millions of dollar business? Like let's, let's just hold up. He'll, he'll get a chance eventually. Uh, and he'll probably get a chance to stay on his OC with whoever it is. Um, link said it was a two touchdown game almost all game. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't think they destroyed them. I don't think Alabama destroyed Auburn at all. Like I think that this was a tight ball game that came down to basically a couple of turnovers. Like that's that's effectively the situation. Like you see in the second half, I mean it was 14 to 13. Alabama. Like that's <laughs> It was uh it was the second quarter that really did it here. And so, but instead, you know, we get a we got a 22-point game that I think that's where the line actually was. Like, where the spread was. uh was 22. Like, you got to feel for those people. Uh, all those people that ended up betting Auburn at, like, plus 21 and a half. Yee. That's got to sting. That one's got to sting. But that's the way it goes. Uh, let's hit. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know what? We're not going to do another ad. We're just going to roll through. We're going to roll through. Uh, William said, off-topic, if three loss LSU... Uh, beats Georgia. Could happen. Still in playoffs. Tulane 1998 still stings. Um, no. LSU with three losses, uh, does not get into the playoff. Like, no chance. Uh, but Georgia will still get into the playoff. Even if they lose to LSU. I I would almost guarantee that. Guarantee. Uh, let's see. I was going to do these two as, like, separate games, but you know we're not going to do segments for these let's just let's start chatting let's figure this out uh, Missouri 29 Arkansas 27 um this was a fun fun ball game uh Brady Cook was pretty awesome in this game 16 out of 26 242 yards it, the biggest thing for me was that this man ran 18 carries for 138 yards like that's awesome uh Schrader ran 18 times for 87 yards and one touchdown uh, Rocket Sanders, only 10 carries, 47 yards. KJ Jefferson, 19 carries for 38 yards. That Missouri defense has been awesome. Awesome. I mean, it's just a, absolutely fantastic. I, I like uh, I like what they're doing. I really like what they're doing. So, Missouri, cheers to them for getting to a bowl game. Arkansas drops to 6-6. Six six. Missouri rises to 6-6. Six and, six, and they are going bowling this year. Uh, and I'm sure that they are excited about it. So, uh, next up and I'm gonna get to uh, I'm gonna get to this question here um, about ECU and temple in just a second uh, first oh did I see somebody ask something about Washington no I did not I don't know what I was thinking all right so Washington 51 Washington State 33 uh, write my time down here of course da, 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 da. so Washington last night absolutely demolished. Washington State in the fourth quarter, and this is exactly what I thought was going to happen, right? Because I believed that Washington was going to get revenge, and eventually that defense was going to break down, uh, but they were going to get revenge for the the whole situation that happened last year where Washington State went onto the field in Seattle. They stormed the Huskies' field and planted their flag, and the students were just going crazy. The Washington State students were going bonkers. And this year, Washington returned the favor. Uh scored sixteen points in the fourth quarter, unanswered, to win this game fifty-one to thirty-three. It was thirty-five to thirty-three heading into the fourth quarter. And cheers to Michael Penix because it was awesome. Um, I mean, this was just a, a fantastic season for him. Uh in this ball game, twenty-five out of forty-three, four hundred and eighty-five yards with three touchdowns and one interception. Uh Tala Papa, which I never know how to say his name because I've always got the Washington game on mute because my family gets asleep by the time they play. Uh, but 13 carries, 126 yards, one touchdown. Like, this was awesome. This the, the amount of yardage at 7.03 that they put up on this Washington State defense. Jake Dickert, everybody said that Washington State would be able to slow them down. Uh, did not appear to be the case because Washington absolutely stomped a mud hole I mean, it was ridiculous what they were doing to that defense. And it, it finally, finally went over fine towards the end. But, uh, but man, what a fun, fun situation for Washington there. All right, let's roll through some more of these right quick, very quickly, since it is the last one to end the season. Let's see. Let's move to the Big Ten. Oh, no, no, no. Let's, let's answer questions. You know what? I'll talk about the other ones on the show later on in the week. How's that? Uh, Link Price said, LSU and Georgia is meaningless as far as the playoffs go. This is true. This is true. LSU is not going to get in even with the win. And Georgia uh, will still get in even with the loss. Uh, 82 Atlantic said, which is worse? East Carolina not covering or East Carolina giving up 46 points to Temple? Um, I I don't know that either one is bad because Temple has actually been pretty good since EJ Warner took over at quarterback. Like, they've done a good job uh, recently. I mean, they... They nearly beat Houston. Like this, this Temple team is not bad. East Carolina getting the win there uh, is actually a pretty big deal. And so, I mean, props to Mike Houston, what he's doing. Uh, Link Price, Alabama, Auburn only felt like it was a two-score game most of the game because I quit watching shortly after. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can understand that. I can, I can certainly understand that. I mean, it was, it was thirty-five to fourteen at the half. Um, yeah, that's the way it goes. So William says, great job this season. Hey, great job to you too, man. <laughs> I appreciate you guys that tune in and watch the show on Sundays. I have a good time doing it. It's a lot of talking, but uh, but it's a good time. It is certainly a good time, and I will continue to do so uh, as we move on into bowl season, etc. We are going to finish this thing out, do it the right way, all of that good stuff. Uh, but man, it has been a long, difficult season. And I'm excited that uh, that we're going to keep doing this. And so life will continue on. Everything will be good. But yes, what a what a night! What a night! Uh, let's go through right quick the last little bit. Uh, 82 Atlantic. Where will Dion be coaching next season? I mean, all signs are pointing to uh, Colorado right now, right? Now, I don't know that that's coming from the Colorado camp, but uh, that's what it appears to be. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Um, let's do the Big Ten. I don't think we've actually talked about that yet. Nebraska, 24-17 to over Iowa, and we know what that means. Iowa will not be. William jumps in, JSU. Yeah, Dion will probably be at Jackson State next year, I guess. But who knows? Uh, Nebraska, 24-17 to over Iowa. That means that Iowa will not be in the Big Ten title game. All they had to do was beat uh, lowly Nebraska, who was only three wins um, when they were coming into this game. And they couldn't beat them at home in Kinnick. Ridiculous. So, with Iowa losing, that meant that Purdue had an opportunity here. And Purdue, all they had to do was beat Indiana, who is another four-win team. And, yeah, I uh, Purdue is going to go play Michigan now. So, cheers to the Big Ten. Minnesota, big win over Wisconsin, 23-16. Uh, Wisconsin chose to hire Luke Fickle instead of Jim Leonard. I'm a little shocked that Fickle took the job, but uh, Leonard, who knows where he's going to end up. Uh, I mean, there ain't no telling. But what what they were doing in that ball game? I, I just have no idea. Uh, Illinois just stomped Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern beat Nebraska to start the season and then lost every single game after. That's insane. Maryland gets their seventh win of the year, just a blowout of Rutgers 37-0. Uh, Penn State... Um, Kind of put it on to Michigan State late. That one got a little tight, but uh, but they were always the better team there. Uh, Thirty-five to sixteen, Penn State wins over Michigan State, and uh, and we already talked about Michigan and Ohio State. What was uh, next? Big Twelve. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got to talk about the uh, conference title game there. So on Friday, Texas beats Baylor thirty-eight to twenty-seven. That is a uh, big deal because that means that Kansas State has to win against Kansas, and they come out guns blazing in the first quarter and win that first quarter 23 uh, to 7 82 Atlantic. Northwestern is winless in the USA this year. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's true. They only won that game in Ireland. That is correct. Uh, Kansas State won 47 to 27. Uh, Kansas, you know, finishes the year 6 and 6. So they are going to a bowl game, that is certainly good. This is a step in the right direction. They signed Lance Leipold to an extension. Uh, I think they will continue to get better. But Kansas State now, 9-3. They get to go play against TCU for this Big 12 title game. It's kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Texas Tech gets a win over Oklahoma. That means that the Sooners finish 6-6 six six this year, 51-48 uh, to 48 in overtime. Um, that is just a, a huge letdown for Oklahoma fans. And I'm curious to see what they're going to end up doing uh, this offseason to, like, will they make changes or will they just stay status quo and, and try and build on what they got? I'm very curious. Uh, TCU, 62-14 to over Iowa State. You know, just absolutely beating on that one. Uh, ACC, we've talked about most of these. Uh, Georgia did beat Georgia Tech, 37-14. to Just a drubbing in that game after the first quarter. Uh, South Carolina, 31-30 to over Clemson. Uh, we did talk about that. Oh, yes, Kentucky, 26-13. to over Louisville, and know guy didn't want to talk about that one, but, uh, look, this is exactly what we thought it would be. All the numbers said that you should bet Louisville in this game. Bottom line, the talent won out. Kentucky has more talent than Louisville right now. Just bottom line. Uh, Link said, West Virginia beat Oklahoma State. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Let's talk about Neil Brown for, like, two seconds. Uh, is he going to keep his job? Like, I, I don't know that they want to fire him. Like, that's, I, I can't figure that situation out. Uh, Link said Miami is not bowl eligible. No, they are not. <laughs> they are absolutely not. Uh, they are 5-7. and seven, uh, And they got absolutely drubbed at home by Pittsburgh, which is crazy. Um, let's see. William said Kansas State will be a test for the TCU offense. Uh, that's true. That is true. Kansas State, uh, healthy quarterbacks and whatnot, they will be very difficult for TCU, I think. Uh, Duke gets a win over Wake Forest, uh, completing another gigantic Turnaround and maybe the biggest P5 turnaround that we've seen. Um, but they go from I think it was three and nine last year, or may have been four and eight. Uh, and Mike Elko takes them to eight wins in his first year, gets a win over Wake Forest 34 to 31. Like, this is it's a big deal for Duke. Uh, so cheers to them for getting that W. Syracuse, by the way, 32 to 23. They stopped the schneid uh, a little bit, stopped the slide that where it's 32 to 23 now. Um, yeah, at seven wins, maybe Dino's safe. We'll see. Link says TCU and USC will lose their championship games. I don't know about all that. Although, it would absolutely blow a lot of things up, I'll tell you that. So, I don't know. Uh, TCU would probably still get in at this point. Like, they went 12-0. They'll probably still get in. Um, all right. We'll hit the back 12 right quick. Oh, oh, let's do uh, the Sun Belt. Let's do the Sun Belt right quick. That's the one that I really want to hit because this one went crazy. Um, 82 Atlantic said, uh, I said last month in the chat that South Carolina could go 9-3, and three, and I was off by one game. Yeah, no, I, I said in August that they would go 8-4, and four, and people thought I was nuts. So I understand where you're coming from. Like, <laughs> this team should have been this good all year. They, they shouldn't have lost to Missouri. Uh, they shouldn't have lost to uh, some of the other—oh, Florida. The weather, that was just abysmal. All right, so Sunbelt. James Madison wins 47-7 over Coastal. Uh, Jamie Chadwell, I think, is going to take the Georgia Tech job. I think. I mean, it could be Willie Fritz. I don't know. Georgia Tech, is, it, that's a that's a weird situation. Um, but we'll see. So, Coastal is still going to the Sunbelt Championship game. But who are they going to play, Gary? Well, South Alabama beat Old Dominion. So, that got them to 10-2 and and 7-1 and in the conference. However, they needed Troy to lose to Arkansas State. And Arkansas State was up in this game. They were up uh, 19 to 14 going into the fourth quarter, and the Red Wolves gave up 34 consecutive points in the fourth quarter to lose that game, 48 to 19, and that was at home. That was absolutely at home. So, a yay yay. Louisiana got to bowl eligibility. App State did not because they lost to Georgia Southern in overtime. Um. Yeah, Georgia Southern gets to go to a bowl, and App State does not. So, in a year where App State goes to Kyle Field and beat Texas A&M, they still do not even make a bowl game because they've got two FCS wins. Only one of them can count. Uh, let's see, 82. No, uh, Link Price said they've been trying to find a reason to exclude TCU all year. Well, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. All right, let's stop the music. Let's go on and end this thing. I've got to roll. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. What a wonderful regular season. I'll be back next week with Championship Week and whatnot. I don't know if I will be live because I will be in New Orleans next week. Uh, but we will we will check it out. We will see what we can do. But this live show has been a lot of fun for me this season. Uh, and it hopefully has been a lot of fun for you guys as well. Thank you for being a part of it. Uh, go over to BetUS. Go to the BetUS College Football Show. Go check out Valtimary Surf Company. Check out Flow Sports. All of that stuff is linked in the description. But I'm going to go ahead and head out of here. You guys have been fantastic. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show.